Uh, today, one of our leaders here at the church will be uh, bringing the message to us, uh, Stan Tenen. He has uh, preached for us on a number of occasions. Uh, Stan is a uh, former uh, pastor for 13 years in the Newark area, uh, has come and been a part of our church for the last three years or so, and has just been a blessing to us in many ways. Uh, very uh, biblically astute, uh, very uh, gifted speaker. And so I just ask that you open your hearts to receive uh, what the Lord has to say to us through him. And uh, I would just encourage you this way. You are used to seeing more youthful people deliver the sermons. And so do not, do not allow Stan's advanced age to be an obstacle uh, to receiving the message today. Stan. Good morning. A couple things we need to do before we get started. One is, I need to give you a heads up. This is going to be an audience participation sermon a little bit later in. Um, if you're used to the sage on the stage model where it's just a lecture, that's, that's not here. So, a um, little bit later, things are going to lighten up a little bit. And we're going to try to have a little bit of fun. So that's just a heads up for you. So if people are going, what is going on here? Uh, number two, does anybody have a cough drop? <laughs> I have been sick for, not, I, I got mints. I got pockets full of mints. I need an actual cough drop. I was going to grab one this morning and forgot. Where are our nurses? <clears throat> Thank you. I've been coughing for two weeks. Does anybody have a cough drop that you can actually unwrap? <laughs> Am I on candid camera? Is it? There we go. Yeah. Okay, I know where it is if I need it later. I'm not used to people throwing cough drops at me. Usually it's tomatoes or cabbages. Or... Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, a nice steak, medium well, with some grilled onions on the side. Yeah. Okay, thank you. All right, this is part of a sermon series. It's louder than words. It's based out of the book of James. The book of James is known as a book of practical Christianity. It's really a collection of teachings. Um, it feels more like maybe the Sermon on the Mount or parts of the book of Proverbs. There's not, a really, there's not really a unifying theme through it. Um, he kind of jumps from... From concept to concept. So we're going to be talking about a small section this morning, a short section this morning. Um, the text is James 4. We can get that up on the, on the overhead. I think this is in um, NIV is what we're going to put it up. Got it? Those of you 
If you want a Bible, there's Bibles back by the sound booth. Some of my lovely assistants back there would be glad to get some for you. If you put your hand up, other than that, I'll just read it to you and you can follow up here. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes... All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, I'm going to read it to you out of the NEB, New English Bible. It's actually a translation done for England, the English. So it's worded a little bit different. Helpful to um, read things in different translations sometimes. Uh, It gives slightly different Shade of meaning, make you think about it a little bit more. A word with you, you who say today or tomorrow we will go off to such and such a town and spend a year there trading and making money. Yet you have no idea what tomorrow will bring. Your life, what is that? You are no more than a mist, seen for a little while and then dispersing. What you ought to say is, if it be the Lord's will, we shall live to do this or that. But instead, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is wrong. Well, then, the man who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it is a sinner. Same basic idea. Now, typically, when you try to understand what something means, you look for context. Those of you who have taken any of the classes I've taught, I'm very big on context. Who is he writing to? Can can you get the text back up? Who's he he speaking to? Okay, but who is that? Who is that? Give give me a title. Who is this? They're Christians. Probably Jewish Christians from earlier in the book, if you look at who who it's addressed to. What would we call somebody who's going to go to another state or another country or another city and set up um, a merchant? What else? Entrepreneur? Businessman. These are businessmen. These are Christian businessmen. Now, why is James picking on Christian businessmen? Specifically, Christian businessmen. Is that really an issue? Put the map up, if you would. There we go. There's Israel. Right there. This is the this is the eastern end of the Mediterranean. This is the top of Egypt. Here getting into the Middle East. There's a tendency to think of Israel in the time of Jesus as a bunch of peasants lying around on the hillsides watching sheep graze and, and they're playing harps. You need to understand, this was a major trade route right here. 
everything coming up out of this part of Egypt flowed right through there, right up the coast. This is real rough territory right in here. East and west trade routes through the Mediterranean went right through here. You've got Damascus up here. Spices and things coming from the east, coming this direction, flowed right through here. The trade of the world flowed through the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Where do you think the largest port in the Mediterranean was? Spain? Italy? I mean, Italy's the, you know, the Roman Empire. Greece? Alexandria, Egypt had a huge port. The largest port in the Mediterranean at this time, and possibly in the entire world, was in Israel. Caesarea. Totally artificial port built by Herod the Great. Not very far from Jerusalem. This was a commercial center. Israel was not just a bunch of peasants walking around playing harps and watching sheep graze. This was a commercial center. You had lots of money flowing back and forth. There were people making some serious money here. That's who James is talking to. Times were good. The entrepreneurs were out looking for the next deal. So that's the context. You can get the text back up if you would. So James is talking to merchants, to traders, to businessmen, Christian businessmen. Now, the first thing you would think is, well, he must be some sort of a communist. He's against people making money and, you know, long live the glorious revolution against the capitalistic oppressors and, you know. No. Although what he's saying sounds like a rant. You're boasting and you're arrogant. I mean, if one of you, let's, let's uh, who's a businessman? Okay. All right. If a businessman, somebody in this congregation came to me and said, hey, we're going to open up an office in Dayton and do some business there. We think we can make some money and make a profit. And I responded with, you arrogant, boastful, prideful, you call yourself a Christian. What would you think? Whoa, what is that guy's problem? <laughs> it's like, wow, he's really got a problem here. What's his problem? What is James' problem? What's the problem? Who's, who, what's he focusing on? What's the real issue here? Let's explore that. Because this feels like it's a rant. It feels like he's ranting. Like he's got, a, he's got some sort of a pet peeve. Like he's overreacting. If you look at what James says, you know, is he anti-travel? No. Does that mean... My pacemaker's acting up. That's... Is he anti-travel? Is he against somebody going to another? No. Is he anti-planning? No. Is he anti-profit? Making somebody making a little bit of profit? No. Is he anti-rich people? No. As a matter of fact, if you look in the next section after the one we're reading, he addresses rich people. And he doesn't condemn them for being rich. He condemns them for how they treat other people. He said, you're misusing your wealth and you're treating other people badly and that's the problem. He does not condemn them for having wealth. That's not the problem. So, what's he dealing with? Look at what he says. Your life... You you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist 
that appears. Instead, and here's the key, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. What's his concern? He's, they've left God out of the picture. They're so caught up in making the deal, in making the money, that they've left God out. Times are good. Money's, you know, money's changing hands. They're, they're going with it. And if you ask one of these guys whether they believed in God, they would say, well, of course I believe in God. He's talking to Christians. The problem isn't whether they're a Christian. The problem is they've lost sight of God. In being successful, their business has taken over their life, and they're not living under God anymore. Their behavior shows that they were essentially practical atheists. You understand the concept of practical atheist? For all practical purposes, for all the effect it has on your life, you function as an atheist. You may believe there is a God, but it doesn't really affect your life. These guys are functioning as practical atheists. That's what's going on here. Their behavior speaks... Remember, the whole thrust of this teaching is louder than words. Behavior, actions speak louder than words. What is their behavior saying? I am my own man. I am the captain of my ship. I am the master of my fate. I have got it under control. I neither want nor need God's input. That's what their behavior says is saying. They might say out of their mouth, well, of course I believe in God. But their behavior is saying something else. And that's what James is focusing on. Behavior speaks louder than words. So if you've got somebody saying, I'm the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my ship, what does that sound like? Pride? Arrogance? Boasting? So is James overreacting? No. He's nailed it. He's, he's identified something that's really very ugly, and that's pride. He's put his finger on something. See, these men have forgotten the two great theological truths. Now, how many of you know the two great theological truths? Okay, there's a few people who have taken my classes. What's the first one? The first great theological truth, there is a God. What is the second great theological truth? It's not you. <laughs> now, that's very funny. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to think about that. But the bottom of the line is, that is the truth. And that is where you need to be functioning, and that's not where these guys are functioning. They're number one in their lives. They've lost sight of God. It's not money. It's not business. That's not what James is talking about. They've abandoned a Christian worldview. They've abandoned living under the eye and protection of God. They're on their own. They're doing their own stuff. They're doing their own thing. James says, we should be saying, if we live. Why would he say that? Does that strike you as odd? If we live, then maybe we can do such and such. He's getting it real back. He's getting real back to basic. Your very existence depends on God. 
Your very existence. He's saying to these men, your very existence depends on God and you are acting like he doesn't exist. I don't know what that is. Is that irony? It's foolish. Whatever else it is, it's foolish. And he points out another thing. He said, who do you think you are? Mr. Big Shot, Mr. High Roller, Mr. $500 suit, driving the Beamer. Your life is short, really short, and essentially insubstantial. We'd like to think that we're really important. I mean, our life is important to us, but you know what? In the big scheme of things, in the big picture of human history, very, very few people live a foot, leave a footprint longer than their own life. He goes, oh, you, you, know, you guys think you're all high and mighty and important and you're out there making a difference? He said, no. You're not humble. You're not thinking big picture here. You're totally absorbed in what's going on in your life and doing your own little thing and making your money, making your plans, and the bottom line is you've abandoned God and you're operating out of pride. I've got it under control, says I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-important. At the bare minimum, that's really foolish. And at the worst, it is arrogant and proud. Now, we've looked at the text. This is typical um, biblical exegesis. We've looked at the text Then you look at the context to make sure you understand the meaning. Then you work with what's called exegesis and hermeneutics to make sure you really understand what the meaning is there. So we really understand what James is addressing now. So we've done text, context, exegesis. Now we talk about application. What what does what we have learned apply to our lives? Does this apply to us? Do you have to be a Christian businessman in first century Palestine for this to apply to you? Or is it possible to live your life under, out from under God? Is it possible to be a practical atheist now? Absolutely. So this applies to us. James' observations still apply to us. Okay, we've done the hard work. Now we're going to have some fun. This is the portion of the show where I go out and talk to some of the members of the studio audience. We're on? Good. Okay. And for being such good sports, for the people that I'm going to talk to, For being such good sports, each of our participants will receive a shiny new Bic pen. (laughs) Bic. They write the first time, every time. (laughs) Bic. Fine writing instruments since 1927. Now, there's some interesting people in the studio audience. I think I want to talk to this gentleman here. Yes, stand up. Please stand up. Tell us your name. My name is Jeff. Okay, Jeff, where are you from? I'm from uh, I'm from Patascala, Ohio. Wow, he's here from all, anybody here for, else from here from Patascala? Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! 
Okay. So, Jeff, what do you do for a li- what do you do for a living? I'm a teacher. You're a teacher. Uh, what subjects do you teach? Uh, math. I'm, I'm moving into a different role this year, but math, social studies. Okay. Do you have any hobbies? Uh, sports. I'm a big sports fan. Okay. Like what sort of sports? Football, wrestling. Uh, I like all kinds of sports. Okay. So pretty much just any kind of sports, and you're and you're there, and you're interested. Okay. So. How much time a week do you spend involved in sports? Oh, I don't know. I don't count, but uh, quite a few. Can you give me an estimate? 10, 20 hours maybe. 10 or 20 hours a week involved in sports. That would be like watching on TV or attending. Could be more. more. Maybe maybe more than 20. Okay. So, Jeff, um, do you consider yourself a religious person? Yeah, I would say. So, do you do you attend church? Yeah, occasionally, pretty much. Okay, and, unless unless sports gets in the way. Yeah, sports is pretty important. You know, um, sometimes I'll miss. You know, uh, I may not go to church for the big game or my children playing sports or you know I vacation a lot. But for the most part, occasionally I I would attend church. Yes. For the most part, occasionally. Okay. So. Um, being a religious person, uh, do you read the Bible frequently? Um, pretty frequently. Um, every once in a while. Uh, how often, uh, how much time do you spend praying? Before a big game, I would say. <laughs> I mean. Okay, so you do believe that there is a God and prayer changes things? Definitely. Okay. So. So would you consider yourself to be a solid Christian? Uh, I would say I'm I'm a pretty good Christian. All right. Let's give him a hand. See this? Yeah, this this looks like an interesting person here. Please please stand up and step over here and face face the audience, the studio audience. And um, what's your name? Amy. Amy? Amy what? K-Hall. K-Hall. Amy K-Hall. Interesting name. Um, where are you from? Uh, the great town of Hebron. Hebron. Anybody else there from Hebron? Come on. Come on. Lift it up. Wow. These all your relatives? You know. So, are, are you married? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do, you have, uh, do you have children at home? Children and grandchildren. Oh, my. So, you're very, very busy. I'm very busy all the time. So, do you have hobbies? Children. <laughs> Just watching children pretty well is everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You watch much TV? Uh, Nickelodeon. <laughs> Disney. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, do you attend, um, are you religious? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, what does that mean to you? Then, do you believe in God? Sure, yeah, of okay. course. Okay. Um, do you attend church regularly? When I can, yeah. Okay. Uh, what would keep you from church? My kids. Um, Their schedules. Well, so, so when you're home, um, do you spend any time reading the Bible during the week? Um, some, yeah, sometimes. If I get up early enough, sometimes I can, but I have to get my morning stuff done first and then... Yeah. Okay. Sure. So in between episodes of Nickelodeon, you you squeeze some Bible study in. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So do you have a prayer life? Um, when I don't want to kill my kids, <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have to. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so you believe in God and, and uh, that, that, uh, that he's up there yes, somewhere. Absolutely. Okay. So um, do you go to church regularly? We, we visit, yeah. Yeah, we come here a lot. I think some people have seen me here multiple times. Yeah. That much? Okay. Yeah. So people might actually recognize you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so overall, you would consider yourself to be a solid Christian? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I didn't get my pen. We'll get your pen. <laughs> Just between you and me, it's really not that good of a pen. <laughs> Let's see, one more. One more victim, one more volunteer. Um, all right, this woman wants to be chosen here. Okay. All right, please stand up. Tell us your name. Moonbeam Starshine. Let me guess, you grew up in the 70s. I thought you were going to ask where I was from. Okay, where are you from? I'm from the 70s. You got it right. So you're still living there? I think I'm still living, yeah. Okay. Uh, Moonbeam. Um... Do you have any hobbies? Do you have any legal hobbies? Yes. I like nature. I like to take nature walks. I like to sit in the woods. I like to listen to the birds. I like little furry animals. I like rocks, too. Everything in the world okay, was made. Thank you. Um, are you, are you religious? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, like, does this sound familiar? I mean, are you Buddhist? No. Muslim? No, thanks. Would you consider yourself a Christian? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's, that's the closest? That's the closest out of those three? Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, as a Christian, then, would you, uh, do you spend much time reading the Bible? Well, I like to, I find God in nature. And so, sometimes I read tea leaves, or I read the clouds. Okay, that's close. Um, how about praying? Do you, do you ever sense God's presence? Oh, yes. I sense God's presence when I'm out in nature. Even a rock. You know, rocks are powerful. And God is powerful. It, it sounds like you're saying God is a rock. Is that? <laughs> Maybe. 
maybe. This is an aside. That is in the Bible. Uh, I, guess I think God is in everything, and he made everything, and he made you, and he made me, and it's all about love and world peace. None of that was scripted. You need to understand that. That was just, we were just winging that. How many of you were hoping that I wouldn't talk to you? That you wouldn't want anybody asking you questions about your spiritual life? About how you actually live? I mean, even though this was, you know, we had some fun. We had some fun. Well, of course I'm religious. Of course I'm a Christian. I'm in church. This is Sunday morning and I'm in church. Doesn't that mean something? If you take all the days in a week, take out eight hours for sleep a day, take out eight hours a day for work, you end up with 56 hours that are left over during the week. 56 hours of, we'll call it free time, Undesignated time. A half, um, an hour and a half of church is two point six percent. Ninety-seven point four percent of your time is not in church. So what else have you got to show you're a Christian? Is there anything else in your life that would indicate that you're a Christian? I'm not saying Sunday morning's bad. That's a very, very small part of a week. Very small part. And if you think that going to church on Sunday morning makes you a Christian, then you're delusional. I'm going to ask you some hard questions. Do you pray? Do you have a prayer life? You know, if you don't pray very much, remember the actions speak louder than words. What do your actions say? If you don't have a prayer life, what does that say? doesn't matter what you say about whether you're a Christian or not. What does your behavior say? What's your prayer life say? You don't read the Bible much. You know, God went through a lot of work to get this to us. Don't even bother reading it. What does that say? That you don't value God's word? You don't have enough time for God's word? What does it say about your priorities and your values in your life? You don't seek to spend time with God's people other than Sunday morning? You're here? Good. That's good. It's good that you're here. What about the other 97% of your time? Who are you hanging out with? Who are your friends? How do you spend your time? Those things say something. Actions speak louder than words. If we were to examine your life, what would we find? 
Are you one of these practical atheists? Are you a person who's holding God at arm's length? Who's effectively saying, I don't want your input. I don't need your input. Run this through your head. Let's put it in contemporary situation. Let's run this through your head. You walk into your boss's office and say, the next time I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. How would that go over? You may be doing that to God. And your actions may show it. You're holding God out here. He's there if you need him. You're saying to God, don't call me. I'll call you when I need you. I'll make the decisions around here. Is that what your life indicates? See, it wouldn't have been funny to bring somebody up front and ask them those sorts of questions. It would have been tremendously painful and awkward. But they need to be asked. I'm doing the same thing for you that James was doing for the men in his time. And that's showing you a mirror. Do you like what you see? So we had a little fun. But you need to think. What does your behavior say? How do you spend your time? What does that say? Actions speak louder than words. What does it say? Where is your money going? What does your checkbook ledger say about your life? They all speak. Is James talking to you? You don't have to be a businessman. Is James talking to you? Are you a practical atheist? Are you holding God at arm's length? If you are, it most certainly is foolish. And living like there is no God is both foolish and arrogant. Because when you back it up, it's based in pride. I don't need God. If this has made you uncomfortable, if you think you need to uh, maybe make a few changes in your life, there'll be people up here that would be, like to talk with you, like to pray with you. If you can get the, the uh, prayer team up here. You get the worship team up here. If you need to do some business with God or need to rethink some things in your life, this would be a really good time to do it. Other than that, you're dismissed. <laughs>